Welcome to the Truth About College Admission podcast. My name is Rick Clark. I'm the ADP and Executive Director of Admission at Georgia Tech. Today, without my co-host, Brennan Barnard, who among his other like eight jobs that he has is also a volunteer firefighter and got called into a burning building, literally. So I always talk about putting out fires, but that guy is really doing it. And so I am I am minus one today, but very excited to welcome in my friend and colleague, John Leach, who is the Associate Vice Provost for Enrollment and University Financial Aid at Emory University. John, thanks so much for joining me. Rick, it's an absolute pleasure. It's good to see your face. You too, man. Thanks so much for being with us and looking forward to the conversation. You know, people probably already know from your title what we're going to be talking about. And given that it is April, this is like money month. I don't know if anybody else calls it that, but uh, it's money month in, in college admission and financial aid, would, wouldn't you say? It's starting to feel like every month is money month. But yeah, I mean, if you were to have sort of a countdown, this is the month to which we are all counting down. <laughs> Well, you're you're my neighbor here in Atlanta. You know, I, I went to high school basically on Emory's campus and live pretty close to your campus. So many interesting things happening there right now. And one or two that you want to highlight and just tell us a little bit about your role, but also something interesting going on at Emory? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the boring part. In my role, I oversee uh, the Office of Financial Aid and our student accounts and billing office. And we have nine schools at Emory. So we manage really the need-based aid for about five of those schools. And then we process the federal aid for the remaining four schools. But we, you know, are really the, the, the schools that, that take up our the, the biggest chunk of our attention uh, in terms of need-based aid is our, uh, our undergraduate program. And probably from my perspective, one of the most exciting things that we have seen in the past year, actually, I guess year and two months, is that Emory, which is a school, we, we have always prided ourselves on our need-based aid. We meet full demonstrated need, and we can, we can talk about what that means a little bit later. Uh, Emory College is a need-blind institution. For our undergraduate students, we have eliminated need-based loans from their financial aid packages and replaced those with need-based grants. So uh, we are one of a handful of institutions in the country who are able to do that. This is the second institution where I've worked, where I've been part of that, and it is just really exciting. And we will see the graduate indebtedness for our undergraduate programs drop. We're expecting somewhere between five and uh, five and seven thousand dollars per school. We are over the moon. And and this is really, this is, it's called uh, Emory Advantage. It's an expansion of the original Emory Advantage, which was uh, program for students with family incomes below $50,000. So this is any need-based student okay. who is eligible. Again, I can talk about it forever, but it's it's probably the most exciting thing that yeah. has happened to me in the past year. No, man, that's great. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, outside of us just knowing each other personally, I saw that article come out in January from Diverse Issues in Higher Ed. And, you know, you were quoted in there talking about replacing loans with grants. And part of Right now, I feel like thinking about where we are in time, families, especially families of seniors sitting here, it's like to us, loans and grants, those, we know what that means. It's really kind of obvious and clear, but there are a lot of terms out there. And you know, one thing I think that sometimes confuses families and frustrates folks at times is when they get these financial aid packages from various colleges, like we've, they've done what we've told them to do, which is apply a bunch of places, get in, have choices, have options. And now they're trying to make a good choice. And they have up until that May 1 deadline. But when they sit down with these financial aid offers, they're not uniform. They don't look exactly the same. And 
sometimes you see grants or loans or scholarships, you know, I'm just kind of wondering in your experience, like, and, and also you were on the um, high school side as a counselor. So you've had to work from both sides. You've got two daughters who have gone through this process as well. What do you feel like are some of those key sticking points where people get a little confused? And can you kind of walk us through some of those key terms to just help people decipher a little bit more of what they're looking at? And, you know, before they commit to a college, like how can they do this responsibly and make a good choice? Rick, it's a great question. It's a question I feel like I've been answering for decades. And the <laughs> fundamentals of the question have not really changed. And you're, you're absolutely right. You and I talk about this type of stuff and it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's just part of our, our day-to-day language. But let me underscore, financial aid packages from different colleges and universities are distinctly not universal. So it's a fairly common complaint that I get. I get it from parents. I get it from legislators. I've had, I've had this direct question, you know, sure. uh, college counselors, uh, you know, our colleagues on the on the high school side. And in spite of the fact that it's really simple arithmetic that goes into this, I mean, it's cost of attendance, you know, minus your your need based or merit based financial aid, whatever's left over, that's your cost. That's your net cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of, it's either misconceptions or misunderstandings. And I think that both of those terms apply equally. So let me walk you through it. I'll be as brisk as I can. Perfect. So the rule of thumb here is cost of attendance. It's not tuition. It's not tuition and fees. Mm-hmm. It's cost of attendance, which includes tuition and fees, room charges, meal charges, books and supplies, transportation, and personal expenses. So these are federally mandated. We've got to count these in the cost of attendance. So yeah. obviously tuition fees is the biggest chunk of this. And so I'll use Emory as, as an example. And I, Rick, you and I have presented to families probably half a dozen times together. I've presented, I don't know, hundreds. Right. I don't know how many, lots. So Emory's, this is the point at which we, we get gasps from the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So Emory's cost of attendance is $84,000 coming up. Okay. So how is it possible that Emory is affordable? Well, that's the next part. You know, that's the grants and scholarships piece. So I'm really proud of the way that Emory presents this information to families. It is logical. It, it sort of keys in on the, the arithmetic of this. And so we start with grants and scholarships. We include, as a next step, we include uh, federal work studies. So most schools will award students some you know, modest amount of federal work study, $1,500, $2,000, something like that. Mm-hmm. Many schools will then include need-based loans. Emory, of course, does not. We've replaced those loans with grants and scholarships. So you've got the two major parts of the arithmetic, and you just take the first, you subtract the second, and that's what you get with the third. Now, there are institutions that will put unsubsidized federal loans, that will put uh, PLUS loans in as components of a need-based or just any sort of financial aid package as a means of meeting that student's need. And while those can be useful, I'm not taking a shot at those loans, those loans can be useful to help the the parents and the student meet their contribution. They are not intended, by definition, they are not intended to be need-based packaged mm-hmm. funds. Mm-hmm. They don't fit that description. So I, I don't love the fact that, that, that other schools right. do this. I know for a fact that the schools that do put those plus loans or unsubsidized student loans, they would love to have more grant scholarships, but it does become a misdirection, right? It's not entirely clear to the student who says, oh, there's $50,000 there. Well, that's a plus loan. Yeah. Right? And that's, yep. that's a huge plus loan. And mm-hmm. you do not want to have to pay that back if you can at all. Mm-hmm. So again, the formula is total costs minus grants and scholarships. 
that is a student's cost. It's what we in the business call net costs, yep. right? I'll add as a professional kind of shot across my own bow. If we at financial aid and the greater industry do not get our arms around becoming clearer and even simpler uh, in the presentation of this information, I can almost guarantee you the Department of Ed is going mm. to get really mm-hmm. excited about doing something. They may come up with something great, but they typically have a one size fits all, and that could really hamper a school like Amory that I think we really have put a good letter on it. So yeah. that's uh, <laughs> that, those are those are the nuts and bolts for sure. Well, all right. So let's think about that for a second. It's April now. Family sitting down. They've gotten into two or three different places, and they're sitting here with these letters, offers of admission, but also offers of financial aid. How do you advise, and, and even, again, think about your own family as you guys were kind of mm-hmm. making these calculations, because I remember talking to you about both of your daughters and their choices and options and the way you guys went about that. Like, What are some of the recommendations you have for having a healthy kind of unified conversation about, all right, what's it going to cost? What are our choices? How do we go about this? And I guess, too, like, where would you seek help? I mean, you're obviously a professional in this space. And so it all makes a lot of sense to you. But if you're a family that just has questions, or if you're a family that needs some help kind of facilitating or figuring this out, like where can you go? Where should you go? What's your take on that? Well, yeah, that's a small question, Red, right? <laughs> There's not too much in there. Let me start with the money talk, right? right From my right. perspective, this isn't just college. This is life, yeah, right? Sure. So the cost of college is going to be an issue for your family. The earlier you have the quote-unquote money talk with your child, with your student, the better, the mm-hmm. less painful it will be. So if, you're, <laughs> if you currently have a senior in high school and... Your senior has all of their admission. They have all of their financial aid awards in front of them. If this is as early as you've taken a look at it, okay, great. Sit down and be honest. So in terms of this conversation, the language that we use on the financial aid side is, I think, some of the language that, that, that parents, that, that the adults who care for these students can have. And that is the conversation of ability versus willingness. So we talk about ability versus willingness quite a bit. I do with with parents quite a bit. So what do I mean by that? So ability is what the financial aid application or applications will measure. So the FAFSA, the CSS profile, this helps financial aid offices figure out a family's ability to pay based on their income, assets, size, family number, right? So we can we can do a hard and fast uh, look at numbers and come up with an understanding of the family's ability. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's completely up to us, right? In, in, in cooperation with the student, with the family. But willingness is, uh, it's more of a subjective call, right? So what are you willing to pay for a given institution? And be honest, that amount might change from college to college, right? Mm-hmm. So someone yeah. might be willing to say, listen, if you can get into Georgia Tech and out of state, um, I'll pay full freight, mm-hmm. right? It's a fantastic institution. But I will pay one half of that at these other institutions. As, sure. as a parent, as a family, we may not value that quite as high. So that's the cost versus value conversation. Mm-hmm. So your willingness might change and it might actually change as you have conversations. Trust me, my kids have changed my mind about how much I would be willing to pay for college. It's like, <laughs> okay, yes, it means that much to you, you know, especially with those, the, the older one, I think gets the, gets the tougher talk, but the, the, the younger sibling is like, ugh. But, have that conversation. If you have a ninth grader, have that conversation now. 
eighth mm-hmm. grade, right? Mm-hmm. The sooner the better. And frankly, I, you know, I'll use my Georgia Tech senior. She's doing great. Um, as an example, she got a wonderful need-based aid package from one of the best private engineering schools in the country. My colleagues there measured my ability to pay for her. Mm-hmm. And we were willing-ish, right? I mean, we were like, okay, yeah, it's a fantastic institution. Um, my daughter wanted to stay in Georgia. She wanted Georgia Tech. It was her number one choice. Mm-hmm. I sort of made her apply to this other school, right? And so for us, for my family, Georgia Tech's value was greater for her mm-hmm. than the other university. But that it's, I mean, you get 10 different families and you're going to get 10 different answers of course, to that question. That's right. It is a... Uh, a subjective and a variable reality. But yeah. I think that's a good approach. So who do you turn to, right? right. There's, there's almost a, an option paralysis in terms of the number of resources that you can turn to. I mean, if you're looking for costs, you're looking for an understanding of what the net cost would be for you as a family, go to the schools. Each school is required to have a net price calculator. Completing a net price calculator, which will give you a pretty good estimate, mm-hmm. not perfect, sure. pretty yep. good estimate, of what the school will cost, it is about as fun as completing your taxes, right? Here we are, <laughs> April 3rd, right? It is it is not fun. Do not start doing one of these if you are in a bad mood. You know, I mean, I would go in and be like, okay, I've got some open time. I've got no other pressures. I'm going to go for it. Right. You will need information from your tax returns, which in some ways makes it all the worst. You know, you've got to put the best information you can find into those net price calculators. So it's, you know, good information in, pretty good information out. Some mm-hmm. schools have what's called my intuition. It is a six question, six or seven question financial aid quick estimate. I mean, literally by the time I started talking about it, the time I finished this sentence, you could pretty much be done, right? Okay. okay. If you've got the right information and it's just income, size of family, and what are a few of your assets, it will then take your information and bump you up against others uh, sort of similar families from that institution and say, best guess, this is what your aid will be. About 10% got more, about 10% got less, and it will tell you what those are as well. So it's a really quick, just to get a ballpark, it is not an analysis of your need. If you bring that to one of the schools that use it, say, this is what my intuition told me, we'll say, great, (laughs) you spent the 30 seconds it took to complete that. You took an hour and a half completing this other stuff that we spent a healthy amount of time uh, analyzing, right? Sure. So that's where we are. The last piece, and it is the month of April, is the financial aid advisor, the financial aid counselor at the college itself. Yeah. Reach out to them. If you've got a, a series of questions, if you've got one very pointed, specific question, you know, I just got laid off. Um, my spouse, my partner died. I, I've just been... Uh, we rarely get these. I've just been promoted. <laughs> this is information that you can reach out to uh, to share with your financial mm-hmm. uh, advisor, with your financial counselor, and they will very likely have forms that you can complete to say, sort of, I think I'm setting you up for maybe the next question about sure. appeals, right? Yeah. If things have changed, right? I'm a, a senior in high school, got my financial aid package, but my mom got laid off in November, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. My mom got downsized in November and that, that did not get reflected in our tax return information. In fact, it didn't get reflected in the financial aid application itself. I didn't have a chance. I completed that already. Sure. Contact the school. Chances are very good. The school will have a, a an appeal process and quite possibly an appeal form, particularly if it is a school that focuses on need-based aid. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the resources that I, you know, I think are best utilized that are that are out there. Yeah, I mean, you said a ton in that answer. I mean, one is this idea of honest and early, right? I mean, just being as as clear as quickly as you can. But if you find yourself, to your point, sitting here, it's senior year, you know, at least honest, right, about what you what you can <laughs> are willing to pay. And I feel like there's this misconception in families sometimes that. Um, the best gift I can give my kid is to be able to pay for any school they want to go to. I think I feel like sometimes parents believe that that's their job or that's their goal or that's the best gift they can give. But I actually feel like the best gift a parent can give is being as clear and, and honest as early as they possibly can about what, again, they're able to or willing to pay, right? And then that comes along as time goes by. But if you find yourself, it's still the best gift you can give is honesty because it's only going to create tension later, right? If if you're not honest. So I just wanted to underscore what you said there. The other thing that you hit on is this idea of, yes, you can call the financial aid office, whether it be to right. appeal, which I do want to talk about, or just with questions. And I I've sometimes hear from families, either at Georgia Tech in my own actual job, or sometimes just from friends in my neighborhood or you know people that I'm connected with online who will reach out and say, look, we got this financial aid package. First of all, we don't understand it. And I always say, call you know, call because mm-hmm. they're, they're looking at two and they're not the same. They're trying to differentiate. And it's like, just ask your questions. You can do that. It's not going to be any kind of penalty for doing that. But then secondly, yes, I did want to ask you about appealing because circumstances have changed or appealing because I just really want to go there. And this doesn't seem affordable. A, can you do that? B, how do you do that? And C, I think the misconception I just want you to dispel is like even reaching out people feel like that might be held against them as if money's going to get taken away because they're asking for more. <laughs> so can you just talk a little bit? I know you touched on it, but just like this concept of appealing. Yeah. So let me, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate and expand just a little bit. So the appeal process, right? So I've gotten up the nerve to actually get in touch with the office. Yes. I send the email. I say that, you know, here are my circumstances. If it is demonstrable, Right. If you can document, particularly at schools that are focused on need-based aid, the school has some means of making an adjustment. They may not necessarily have the funds to make that adjustment, mm-hmm. but they sure. have the means of getting there. Right. Mm-hmm. So they say, okay, uh, mom got laid off. Okay. That has a real impact. So when did this happen? So it just happened or, oh, well, it's not actually going to kick in until May. Okay. Well, we can't do anything now on the expectation that you're going to lose your job. But when you do, let us know, send us the documentation, right? So it is very, I know that folks want to plan. And then for us, it is very much the same way. We want to plan based mm-hmm. on facts, not mm-hmm. on, you know, maybe expectations or because things can change, right? Yeah. Can you appeal a merit-based scholarship? You know, sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the most important step in appealing a merit-based scholarship is contact the office that awarded that merit-based scholarship. So we don't award merit-based scholarships. We will get calls from folks to say, you know, I, I wanted to get this merit-based scholarship. We will send them very happily to the offices that handle merit. And merit is far smaller. Need-based aid is about nine, nine and a half times more important at Emory mm-hmm. in terms of the numbers than, than merit. Can you use a merit? scholarship to appeal a need-based award, right? Mm. I got I got this merit-based scholarship at College X. Mm-hmm. You've given me a need-based award. Uh, can you match that? Yeah. For a school like Emory, the chances are pretty, I'd say they're pretty low that sure. we would respond with a, a 
and a firm will respond. It'll say, hey, congratulations on your merit scholarship. That's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's what your ability is based on your need. And you've, now you've got a choice. And again, it comes back to that value versus cost, right? Yeah. It is, however, possible, right? A merit versus a merit. It is possible to say, hey, listen, I got this from similar school X. Mm-hmm. Can you match that? Again, that's typically we'd not be at a place like Emory, but, you know, um, schools that really live in that world, that is an option. Right. So you're looking for advice, right? <laughs> Let me tell you where not to go. Okay. Don't go to your friend and say, here's what I got. What did you get? Because guess what? Chances are pretty darn good that that friend's situation is, in terms of their need-based aid, is going to be different from yours. Sure. Right? If, if you're a parent, do not go to another parent. The reason being, hey, this person does not know my financial situation nearly as well at mm-hmm. this point, having mm-hmm. completed, uh, completed the financial aid application nearly as well as the institution. So um, I'll reiterate go to the institution itself, particularly in the month of April, right? Yeah, You've been yeah. admitted. The school wants you. Sure. You may not get the answer that you want to hear, but you will definitely get an answer. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, you know, one of the things that I've said and keep saying at pretty much any opportunity I get, whether it be here on the podcast or in presentations is, um, you know, parents of high school students should talk to fewer parents of other high school students about college admission <laughs> and financial aid <laughs> uh, right. as possible. So right. and don't trust pretty much anything you see online. And my reason right. is different. Right. My reason for, for that is different because I say parents of other high school students, they lie, man, or they exaggerate, you know, like all of a sudden a 13, 20 is a 14, 20. Oh, right. she got a full ride. So how about this? Let's close with this. See, when Brennan's here, he keeps me in line and he kind of keeps things yeah. moving and, and I don't do that as well. But I think we're going to have to have you back to talk about some other issues around financial aid and scholarships, return on investment, value, that kind of thing, and juniors and focus on underclassmen later. But let me, let me wrap with this. simplification. Yeah, man. Sorry, I just talked right over you. Fastest simplification is a, is a big, big part of our world right now. There's a yeah. lot going on. So I, we'd love to have you back in the fall. But I do want to close with this one. Again, I'm thinking about what time of year it is. So let's focus on seniors and close with this. And that is the wait list. So right now, you've got a lot of kids who unfortunately are in the limbo mode. They're just in the maybe mode. We, quote, admission people, always tell them, hey, go ahead and get your deposit in somewhere else. You can't count on coming off of a wait list. But obviously hundreds, thousands of kids around the country are taken off of wait lists every year. And along with that offer of admission to come off the wait list is also a financial aid package that follows that or maybe is sent at the same time, depending on the school. What advice do you have there? Because that's hard to prepare for. I mean, like, you know, uh, thinking about a family around the proverbial kitchen table, I mean, how do you get ready? Because wait list offers go quickly. A school comes out and they say, you've got 72 hours or maybe at the most like a week to figure this out and make a decision. That's hard when it comes to both going, but also paying for it. So any advice on like, if you're a waitlist kid right now, a family, how do you prepare for the possibility of coming off the list and like how that's going to work in turning around a decision quickly? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you took half of the, you know, a full 50% of the response and that is get very comfortable with one of the institutions where you have been admitted, right? Sure, so that sure. is, that's the first step of plan. 
And the second is, it's really the same as your investigation of the schools before admission decisions came out. So if you wanted to know what those costs were going to be, go look at the net mm-hmm. price cut. Mm-hmm. Take yeah. a look. Uh, and I would really focus on the net price cut. I think for schools that have my intuition, I think you may be too far down the road, right? That okay. is really a very quick and easy calculation that has lots of possibilities that things don't get picked up. So hit the net price calculator, get a sense of what your need-based aid is. If you you currently have a merit-based, you know, like a merit scholarship at a school where you're already admitted, I I would just say there's no chance that you will ever get merit off the wait list. Mm -hmm. The world has changed. I think there is a tiny chance that you can get some merit off the wait list, but I would definitely not expect. If if you do not qualify for need-based aid and you have merit-based aid, and that has really taken an an important role in your decision-making in terms of your willingness to attend, do not expect merit off the mm-hmm, list. Mm-hmm. Do not. Rick, you're sure. absolutely right. I mean, it's a it's a frantic kind of, oh, can we get there? You know, can I, I want one more visit, right? Yeah. Can I jump on a plane? Can I get in the car? Can I go visit one more time? Need-based aid is important. Let me figure out, you know, it is, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of urgency around waitlist. For sure. Hopefully it's all for the, for good, right? It's hopefully it's, it, it makes you feel good as a, as a family and as a student. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, A, make that deposit somewhere else and get your head around going. B, go back, as you said, to those net price calculators and figure out what the likely package is going to be and, and possibly even slightly less, to your point, because of right. you know, merit that may not be there. And, you know, again, that good, honest conversation, you know, back and forth among the family is just so critical. Well, listen... John, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today or with me today as Brenton's out literally putting out fires. And uh, we definitely, definitely want to have you back. So thanks for being with us. Absolutely, Rick. And, and best of luck to Brenton. I, you know, let's, let's hope that, it, that that was a manageable, uh, that, that was a small kitchen fire. Absolutely. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. We will be back soon with another episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Truth About College Admission with John Leach from Emory University, who really is one of the very best out there in terms of talking in a very clear uh, and simple way about what can be both complex and emotional as it relates to financial aid and scholarships within colleges and universities. And we also want to thank our season one sponsor, Johns Hopkins Press, who provides global access and delivers impact through publishing and distributing innovative ideas and scholarship. Johns Hopkins Press connects people to the most trusted knowledge from global researchers, scholars, and educators. To learn more about the work and publications, go to press.jhu.edu. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back soon with another episode.